1: Vaginas are absolute magic, and Ollie is here to give them the respect they deserve. That means shame free supplements made with clinically studied ingredients to keep your pH in check and your pleasure a priority. Put yourself on top. Go to Ollie.com today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, hey. Okay, so you guys know that I've moved my platform over to Patreon, and that's patreon.com slash jamieglowacki. So everything is moved there. That's where I'm now housing all my parenting content. For a dollar a month, you can access all the episodes of my podcast, but no worries if you don't want to do any financial commitment at all. We'll continue to release selected episodes here on your favorite listening platform. And just so you know, I also put up free public posts and mini podcasts on that Patreon page. So all you have to do is head over to that main page, patreon.com slash jamieglowacki, and you can see my free public posts and mini podcasts. Head over there to check it all out. And now on to today's show. Hey, I'm Jamie Glowacki, and you are listening to Oh Crap, I Love My Toddler, but holy fuck. This is a podcast for conscious parents who drop the F-bomb a lot. Hey, hey, you guys. So this is our July Q&A episode. Before we begin, first of all, I'm in Rhode Island and our humid season has begun. So it's like 100% humidity in the morning and like my books are getting swollen. It's so gross. So I'm doing like these podcasts between, I have to shut up the air conditioner, of course, so you guys don't hear that. And it's like, I have limited time. (laughs) I'm a race against the sweat. So I wanted to mention something. I am recording this the last week in June. And a few days ago, I fell. I fell at my friend's pool. I was getting out of the pool. We were playing with a beach ball and I go to grab the ball and my knee twists in the most unnatural way. Heard a pop, freaked a little out. (laughs) And I have been in a lot of pain. So I tore my MCL, which is like, it's on the other side of your ACL and it's been healing really quickly. And one of the things is I went for a walk with Maverick this morning and I chose, you know, a pretty flat trail that's super pine needly. So it's nice and soft. And I'm doing like a 45 minute mile. I mean, I'm moving very, very slow. And I don't mind injury. I think injury is the universe's way of slowing me down. I'm kind of... I'm a fast moving person and I have a lot of like sit down work that I need to get done. And I wasn't doing it because, you know, summer (laughs) and the universe was like, no bitch, you need to work. Boom. (laughs) But I also really like it because I am super aware of all my muscles and my body and I love figuring it out. And I was walking with Maverick and I'm walking really slow and I was so grateful that I have put so much work into strength training and learning my body and learning my muscles and had a you know, self-massage and stretch at the end of the night and take really good care of my body because this injury would have crippled a 53-year-old who wasn't in as good shape as I am. And so I had this huge epiphany that I wanted to share, make time for strength training, not because of how you look. Yeah, a little bit because of how you feel, but mostly to take care of yourself as you age, because I look around and I see a lot of 53-year-olds on meds. I see them, you know, just frail. Their, you know, bone density is low. And so I just was so grateful. I was like, wow. I mean... It's healing so fast because even when I walk, I can say, okay, take your time, activate your glutes, use your hamstrings. Okay. Don't go into your hip flexor. Very good. Use, use your whole toe spread so that you're not leaning on one side of your foot. And even my physical therapist is like, holy shit, you're really good at this. But that's because I do strength training. And I know that as moms, as dads, we're busy. And I know a lot of us go for cardio at first, like, oh, I just got to go out and go for a run. But I'm here to tell you take some time to do strength training because I'm healing so fast. It's astounding. And so, anyway, I just wanted to mention that because. I I got super inspired by myself. So I was like, well, maybe I can inspire other people. And it's, uh, I think we get so caught up in exercise being about what we look like that we forget that there's so many benefits and aging, being able to handle an injury, you know, not falling and breaking your hip, not falling and breaking any bones, you know, being able to handle and recover an injury is, is huge. So anyway, I hope that inspires you as it inspired my own damn self. All right. Jumping into some questions today. Number one, I got asked this by Haley and I love this question. So hi, Jamie, my five and a half year old daughter has gotten LOL surprise dolls as gifts over the years. In an attempt to cut out the clutter in her room, as well as just a distaste for that brand, I told her that we aren't going to do LOLs in our home anymore. I don't like this whole concept of sexy dolls, like, oh my God, and undies that change colors." However, I really love imaginary play and I feel that putting a big no, not allowed only makes them more desirable. Do you have any suggestions as to how to handle this and how to deal with similar marketing scams, which is what this one feels like with kids on issues like this? This feels like the LOL phase isn't going to end as quickly as I had hoped. Okay, so I think this comes around every once in a while. I had to Google LOL dolls because I have a 15-year-old boy and a dog. So <laughs> I, I had heard, I knew they were I knew they were a hot thing. Um, they remind me though, I don't know how many years ago, the Bratz dolls came out and there was this kind of similar feeling about them. So let's, I think what we have to do is we have to back them up. I think one of the things, we'll back up the whole concept. One of the things is before, As we head into, you know, as your kid gets older, two, three, they start getting presents from other people. They start being in preschool and being privy to hot items. And I think to start off, we have to all be really cautious about what we let into our house, knowing that there's marketing attached and franchising attached. And Haley, I'm not I'm not saying like you did something wrong because I don't think you did, but it's it's worth it for the people who are listening who have one and two-year-olds, you kind of have to make some concrete choices. And when, just for example, I, and don't hate me for this. I hate Winnie the Pooh. I don't know why I don't like this. I don't like the books. I don't like the merchandising. It's just not my thing. I like tons of other classics. I just have a vendetta against that. When I had a shitty roommate who had Winnie the Pooh tattoos, I think that's where it came from. But anyway, I was really vocal. I was like, no, Winnie the Pooh, please. Just, I don't want any Winnie the Pooh. And Then as Pascal got older, I definitely, I made a very conscious choice to go with Thomas. He liked trains. And I was like, I can hang with Thomas, the tank engine. He liked the series. And I made a choice where we're going to collect those wooden chains. And that was it. That was the only sort of marketing I would do. Then a few years went by and we We ended up doing um, Harry Potter. I let him watch Harry Potter and he got like a robe and a wand and the glasses and he would play Harry Potter all the time. And So those were sort of the two things I was really aware of. And one of the, you know, if your kid's watching PBS, they're not going to be advertised to, but if they're watching YouTube kids, they could be. So you want to watch advertising and you want to watch what movies and, and programs they get shown, you know? So for example, I know like Paw Patrol right now is big and has been for quite a few years, you know, know that when you go into a store, when you go into Target, there's heavily marketed paw patrol stuff. So in that sense, I like really I think it's okay to make these bold decisions about what your kid watches based solely on what the merchandising is going to be down the road. Now, when I was a kid, we had Barbies. Barbies were the thing, you know. And years later, I remember people, you know, they do the thing where um they give Barbies real dimensions and she would like fall over. Her boobs are so big. Like she wouldn't be able to stand up straight. And I remember like, you know, some people coming down on like, you know, Barbie creates eating disorders. It's such an unrealistic body image, just kind of weird stuff like that. And I can look, I had eating disorders. I have all kinds of issues. Barbie was not one of my issues. And I really played with Barbies a long time. And it was, as Haley was saying, it was this imaginary play. So I think at any given time, it is okay for you to draw a hard and fast line. And I think, especially when it comes to things like sexy dolls or things that you think might be off. But my question would be, Haley, and anybody else kind of grappling with this, with stuff that's already been allowed into your house, is I would watch the play. That's all. I would watch the play. And is the play going into this weird, sexy zone? You know, is your five-and-a-half-year-old picking up on, you know, Even if you can be the most cautious person and they're going to pick up on some media somewhere, you know, is she like, hey, is she being weird with the dolls? That is a little too precocious, um, a little too, what do you want to call it? Um, Sexy, sexy, weird. Do you know what I mean? Do these dolls create a different play when she has friends over? Because there's always a kid that's got a little more little more sass than, than your kid. Maybe is it creating this uncomfortable, sexy play? Is there like a weird flirting with these dolls? Do you know what I mean? So I would watch the play if it's, you know, if anybody watched me playing with Barbie dolls, they would have seen, it was all about the hair and dress that, you know, putting the clothes on, putting the clothes off, put, getting ready for the wedding, getting ready for the, you know, it was really just imaginary play. So I would say if your daughter's playing with them in a, imaginary play manner, you know, say maybe you can keep the ones that are in the house and we're just not getting any more. And your daughter doesn't need to know that either. You know, you can just tell people, we really don't want this particular item in our house. I feel like when we start with the imaginary play, you know, as your child gets bigger, it might morph into something else. And then you might have to have different conversations. But remember that a lot of times, like these sexualized things, they're not sexualized to the child, you know? So if she's in her room, you know, like we, we know we deal with sexualized clothes for little girls. And the thing is, is that like, that can be gross because you're at the beach and you know, there's somebody going to be looking at your kid. It's just, that's how it goes. Right. But if you know, your child's in their room playing with their stuff and it's cool, I wouldn't worry about it. I do think, like you said, you know, if you absolutely, this isn't allowed, that does create a want or a, a, a deeper need than just wanting it, you know? So I think you're right. I would just keep a couple around and not give it too much power because remember it's just like the word fuck. If you say the word fuck, the only reason kids repeat that word or any swear word is because it's got power. When you say it, they can feel the power. So if you're trying to nix a toy because of you think it's sexualized or something like that, they're going to sense that in you and that's going to make them want it more. So really play it chill. You know, on that note, though, I think it's also worth as your kids get a little older, um, I have heard from a lot of patrons who are like, hey, my kids are getting older and I might be aging out of you. So I always like to include some content as we get on because, you know, five, six and seven happens right as you blink your eyes. You know what I mean? (laughs) I do think, though, it's also really it's really worth investigating what your kid is watching and making sure that the attitudes in the show are really great. So I know as, you know, kids get into the tween years, Disney has put out, you know, a shit ton of content for that age group. And some of it is just awful. There's these stereotypes, you know, there's always a bumbling, really stupid dad and the mom's super sarcastic and the kids can be super sarcastic. And I know years ago, my niece, um, she was getting in so much trouble in school and she was watching That's So Raven. And then I noticed when Pascal was with her, they would watch Wizards of Waverly Place, which I I don't know if you guys know those, but, um, oh my God, it creates this attitude in kids that's, that's astounding because, you know, if you think about a typical sitcom, they do like a zinger, they do like a one-liner and then it cuts to a commercial or it cuts to the next scene And you hear the canned laughter, maybe even a live studio audience, but you don't get to see how the zingers land. And so I remember Pascal was like super rude to my mom one day and he was like, what? And I could see this the way his um, body language, I could see he had gotten it from one of those programs. And I was like, oh, okay, yeah, we're done with that. So it's definitely worth watching stuff with your kids, because what can seem really innocuous can create huge attitudes. And, and that kind of like what Haley said in her question is like, like, oh my God, like, what are you doing, mom? (laughs) And like, we, our kids have enough attitude. Like naturally, we don't need to hand them some canned Disney attitude. (laughs) All right. Next question. This is from Julie, but what's so interesting about Julie's question is that it's literally come up with all my clients right now. So I think it's a really great, great question to hit. Hi, Jamie. I wondered if you could address a topic I've struggled with for a couple of years now, telling my child, who is an only child, to go play. He's almost five and has always been up my butt all day long every day. Yes, he went to preschool, but once he was out for the day, and now that it's summer, it's just him and I all day long. I love being a stay-at-home mom, but man, it is hard to come up with things to occupy him so I can have a minute alone with my own thoughts. Plus, he's super active. He's not old enough for summer camps where I live. It's almost harder for me to coerce him to go play than to just play or humor him in his hundreds of requests to do this or that with him. I've read and reread your chapter on connection and I give him bouillon cubes of connection, but it's never enough for him. He wants my attention and connection all day long. And I have a hard time when I feel like I'm pushing him off to say nothing of the fact that it hurts his feelings. I know it's circumstantial and different for everyone, but could you touch on an appropriate amount of times we should be telling our kids to scram? Some days I'm drowning and then I feel resentful. I know and agree that we should not be entertaining our kids all day long, but it takes almost just as much mental energy for me to coerce him than to go play on his own. So this is a great question. And again, it's come up with quite a few clients. The amount of time that you should be telling your kid to scram should be all day. (laughs) So one of the things that is a red flag here is some days I'm drowning and then I feel resentful. So don't let yourself drown. Don't let yourself get resentful, whatever it takes. And I know and agree we should not be entertaining our kids all day long, but it takes almost as much mental energy for me to coerce him to go play. So what that tells me is if it takes you a lot of energy to get him to scram, it means you keep moving the boundary. So you might tell him one day, go play, go play, go play. He might start to figure it out. He might not. But then the next day you feel bad and you give him more attention. So he's unclear because if it takes you, Listen, our kids can get used to anything, 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 whether it's an earlier bedtime, whether it's a strict lunchtime, like they can acclimate, but it's up to us to hold that really strong boundary. And it might take a while, but know that there's payoff on the end. What I see happen, and this is always what happens even with bedtime, is if you move the boundary, then the kid's going to push even harder because they know you've moved the boundary, right? So what I would definitely say, well, let's unpack this because you really shouldn't be There was a great article in the New York Times about why we shouldn't be playing with our kids. Like, kids are not meant to play with adults. This is the first time in history that kids have ever, that adults have ever played with their kids or entertained their kids. Nor do I think you should be entertaining them. But here's the other thing, Julie, that kind of, that stood out for me, too, is... It's hard to come up with things to occupy him so that I can have a minute alone. It also shouldn't be your job to occupy him. Yeah. So that's what goes on is that we feel like we've got to set them up so that we can get some time alone. Literally, especially at five, five and a half, six years old, you absolutely want to be letting your child get bored. And that might look like rolling on the floor, telling you I'm bored, like, I don't know, I might be, I mean, I could be a a bit of a boomer in this sense, but I remember all summer basically talking into a fan like a robot. I remember that, super clear, like that's all we did. (laughs) And we were so bored and we came up with things to do. So they will find something to do as long as you make it concrete all the time. So what I would do, especially for the summer, I would definitely set a time and say, it's noon, This is the time that you spend by yourself and I spend by myself. You can go do anything you'd like in your room or outside and I will set the timer. And at one o'clock we can, you know, meet up again and we can have play a game together. It's hard with an only child. I get it because there are some things like to play catch. You need another person. You know what I mean? So there are some things. So I would reserve your time with him for the things that need a partner. Playing checkers or checkers and chess though, you can do online too. So you could set them up with that. Playing something that needs a physical partner. If you're playing with your child and your child is using you as a script. So you know how like if you go to play house with your with your little one and she says, you know, okay, now you say this. No, 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 no. That that's something she could be doing in her own head. So don't let yourself become this like empty board that your kid is just bouncing off of. One of the interesting things and I was talking to a client about this, is that I feel like the pandemic really backed everybody into a corner. When people find out I homeschool, they're like, oh my God, I could never homeschool. I argue with my kid all day or I couldn't be with my kid all day. And I, I left because that is part of, that's a good couple of years of homeschooling is learning how to be together, learning how to be together every single day. And what that means, because You can't be with your kid and they can't be up your ass all day long. Like, even if you don't have work, even if, you know, whatever, you have to like learn to be together all day long. And so he has to learn that. So in your bouillon cubes, I would definitely say, you know, let's play something that we need two people to play with and then we'll play a game. And then, you know, I'm going to go do the dishes. You can play in the kitchen next to me, but I have to do the dishes or I have to make dinner or whatever it is, your activity so make th- make it very clear that there's time that you guys will play together yeah like let's play together on this for a half an hour and then there's we can be together in the same room doing our own things and then there's time where you need to go to your space and I need to go to my space and make those three distinct times and you know you might have to start small maybe it's 15 minutes maybe it's 20 minutes set a timer so that he knows it's going to end and then Yeah, do that. And then also one of the things I'm working with a client on is reading time. Set a time, I don't know, three o'clock. That's just an arbitrary number, but you guys can read together, but separately. So let's sit on the couch. And I'm going to read my book and you read your book and we'll read for 20 minutes. And I think this is a great way to become a reader, but also a great way that you can get some reading time, but also that your child can start to learn how to be with you, but not you entertaining them. If you are constantly going through the day, hey, here's something to do, here's something to do, here's something to do, that's where we get that your kids can't be bored. Yeah. And let me tell you, boredom creates, that's the basis of creativity. Your kid will start building something. They'll ask for things. You can put a, you know, a thing of zip ties and toilet paper rolls and see what they do with it. So let them get bored, give them access to things, give them access to some creative art supplies or, you know, whatever, and let them find it for themselves. And again, this is going to take time and there's going to be, I'm so bored, mommy, come play with me. Nope. 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 So it shouldn't drain you. That's the thing is it's draining you because you're trying to come up with things. If if literally the answer is no, yeah, I get that he can wear on you for the whole day, but he'll pick up really fast on it. So again, it's really about not moving that boundary and being really strict. And maybe for the summer, you come up with a whiteboard where there's blocks of time so he can look at that and say, oh, okay, this is our time together. This is our time separate. Because a lot of times too, it feels really arbitrary to kids is like, so he might be in that scarcity mode of like, when am I going to get to play with you next? Look at the whiteboard and let's look at the time, you know, and then you're teaching time management and how to read a, how to read a calendar and how to tell time you're teaching all those things in between. And that way he, he knows like what's coming.
0: Monarch legacy of monsters an Apple original series. The world is on fire. I decided to do something about it. On November 17th, this place, it's not ours. Believe me. The most massive event of the year arrives. If you come with me, you'll know everything. I promise. Oh my God, go, go, go! Monarch: Legacy of Monsters streaming November seventeenth only on Apple TV Plus.
1: But generally speaking, you guys, we really like you. Do want those bullion cubes of connection? And Julie, I wanted to mention too, he isn't lacking for connection. So don't get confused because he wants you doesn't necessarily mean if you're giving him some really good focused attention throughout the day, like then he can, he can figure it out on his own. Now, of course that's going to be different than a two-year-old, you know, this kid's five. So we want to always keep that in mind, but you definitely want to always be edging towards them scramming all the time. Um, and it was really funny. I was at a party, um, Couple of weeks ago, and there were some kids in the adult space, and the kid literally told me to scram, and I was like, I looked at her, and I was like, um, "No, sweetheart, I'm the grown up, and you can scram. This is the adult space." And it was really wild to me. Like, kids have gotten really emboldened that you know, that every, they can have whatever they want. And I don't think that's, I don't think that's right. You know, I definitely, of course you guys know, we always treat our children like humans, but sometimes there's adult space and adult time. And we all, we all get to have that. So I hope that makes that question. I hope that answers that question. Next question. What do you do? So, you know, guys, we have totally dissected tantrums and co regulation, self regulation, and, and go to your room strategy. And we've really spent a few weeks dissecting that. But somebody asked me, What do you do when your kid's just being sassy? It's not like a meltdown. It's not a reason to go to your room. It's just like this sassy voice, or they ask you something really rude, or they're barking orders at you. And it's one of those things that it's just rude, but it's not like a super, it's not a super crazy offense. I get this idea from a friend who got it from Montessori, which is simply say, try again. So generally speaking, when your kid is being rude or sassy, they are well aware that they are being rude and sassy. So you do not need to tell them they're being rude and sassy. Oftentimes when a person has a reaction to us where they're unaware of, it will be a big fast reaction. You know, like if somebody's like, ah, cut it out, it's like you startled them or something, right? But if it's it's just, you know, your kid's trying on some attitude, they watched a Disney a Disney show, <laughs> whatever, um, those simple two words, try again. And, and it goes back to the, you know, when I say after a kid clears the tantrum or after they come out of their room, don't go and process it unless the child specifically asks for it. It goes along those lines. Like, you don't need to bring home, like, you're being rude. They know they're being rude. They're trying to be rude. In fact, they're doing it to see if they can get away with it. So when you say try again, they know exactly what you mean. And, of course, this is going to be for, your, you know, three-, four-, five-year-olds. Your two-year-old won't know what you mean, but your two-year-old is not going to give you that kind of attitude. So try again, and you, generally speaking, will get a really a softer approach. <laughs> Now, a similar question was what happens when, you know, say you ask your child to do something and they have a physical reaction, but it's not, again, it's not a tantrum. It's not a meltdown. It's like, say they stomp away. Yes. So I have a couple of thoughts on that. Well, you know, or, you know, you ask them to go wash their hands, they kind of throw their toy down on the floor. They're acting out, right? They're pissed off and they're going to do the thing you tell them, but they're going to let you know that they're upset. So this situation it kind of can go either way. A lot of times I'm inclined to just ignore it. Other times is I can, you know you can totally say I see you stomping. I know you're upset with me. It's okay to be upset with me and I'm really happy that you're doing the thing anyway. And so you can acknowledge like yes, I see you're pissed off and you know what? You are going to wash your hands. So thank you very much for that. Now, if your child has a physical reaction like that but they say doesn't go, right? Doesn't go to the room, doesn't make a move to complete the thing you asked them to do. In those instances, I think it is okay if you have the time and the wherewithal, and now we're kind of edging into maybe go to your room, maybe not. If you have the time and the wherewithal, I would say you're stomping your feet. Usually that means somebody's upset. I can see that you're upset and you don't want to do that. Would you like to say something to me? So the idea is that we don't want to give in to the child. We don't want to say, you know, oh, you don't have to. We don't want to definitely get into a negotiation with them. But one of the things we definitely want to do is start giving them words, right? So that's the whole emotional wisdom thing that I think can get kind of lost in the shuffle is we want to help the child, the The whole term acting out, Often gets misused, overused, or um, it's just become like watered down, like all those other words mindful, good job, you know? So, one of the things you really wanna do is recognize when your child is acting out their emotions because they may not have the words or they may not have the capability to tell you the words, or they are afraid you might get mad. Right. So a lot of times, like recently Pascal and I have had an issue. He's just, you know, I get the teenager rolling his eyes and I'm like, dude, I I really don't appreciate that. Like, I don't roll my eyes when you ask me things. And he was like, no, but sometimes your first reaction is blah, 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 blah. And so then I don't want to ask you. And I was like, oh, okay. Fair enough. And then he was like, oh, I'm glad you could hear that because I was afraid of bringing it up. I I was afraid you'd get angry. And I was like, that's not really how I parent. It's it's so weird when they become teenagers because they act like you're a totally different person. I'm like, dude, I have never acted like that in your 15 years, but okay that you think now all of a sudden I'm this kind of mom. (laughs) Right. But it was interesting because he was he was doing this physical reaction because he was afraid I was going to have a certain like he was anticipating a certain reaction. And so you know, we don't want that in our kids because we don't want them to be scared of us. We want them to use the, you know, use their words at all times. So if your child is having that sort of pouting or, you know, stomping their feet and say, I can see that you're doing this and this is what this means. So how about we use some words and that way you can start to tease out that sort of emotional wisdom. And that, it just really helps when, uh, when everybody's got words, you know? (laughs) All right. And so for the last, little bit here. I did want to dive into rest and slowing down. So we had this like amazing opportunity in the pandemic, right? Do you remember when everybody was baking sourdough bread? <laughs> because it takes like so long to make a loaf of sourdough bread, you know, when, but from when you get the yeast out of the, out of the fridge, the starter out of the fridge and start feeding it. A lot of people started like these homesteading things, canning and you know, and and they also started way before the pandemic, there's been this real pull towards this like slower, slower life. And then the pandemic ended and everybody's back balls to the walls. And we've talked a lot lot about how that's affecting kids and that we want to kind of slow things down for the kids. I really want you guys to take this in at whatever level you can in your particular life. Rest is not the enemy rest is not the enemy and so we it's just this notion we have i don't know if it's american i don't know western i don't know if it's just our society these days but like rest is so important and recognizing that you need rest is so important and i'm not just talking about sleep i'm talking about You know, we all have those days where we putter around the house and we get so much shit done because we're like cleaning and doing all the little things that we need to do, but we're going at a leisurely pace. You know, it doesn't always have to be a crash and burn movie day. It can just be these slower days. One of the things as I'm working with clients, I realize that I kind of intuitively did. And I did not like this the days that the year and a half that Pascal was in school, because it sort of got out from under me is I recognize that both he and I were introverts. And so we almost need every other day off from like people, activities, those kinds of things. Cause otherwise my nervous system gets shot and I just, I get so drained. I don't have any energy. So start paying attention to where you feel like fulfilled where you feel rested, even though you might be full of action, it still might be restorative to your nervous system, to your soul, you know, and there's all these energy drains that we don't take into consideration, but they are, you know, we almost think of them as different compartments and then we don't realize their cumulative effect, you know, certainly work, work has its own energy drains. And in fact, so many parents were so grateful. They were like, fuck going to work is so much easier than trying to work at home with the kids, with the distractions of home. Right. So I know that was hard, like maintaining during the pandemic, maintaining this, like work, knowing your toddler was in the other room, knowing that the laundry had to be done. It's almost like we doubled down on expectations instead of making it easier. Some, And, you know, and also the flip side, some people loved it and it was fine. Kids playing with kids like we just talked about playing with your kids is an energy drain, like super duper fucking fast. Like it's like unplugging. It's like the massive exodus of energy. It takes a lot because you're not in that headspace for you to play with your child, especially imaginary play. It requires a lot of your adult system, their social energy, like how much time are you giving to your friends? And then how much of that time gets watered down by social media, by friends who are like way distant friends or not that good of friends? Or like, are you really keeping up with, you know, people in your outer, outer, outer circle? And how much energy is that taking from you? Social time with other parents that you're not necessarily great friends with, right? You go to the playground and you got to talk to the other moms that like, you don't have a whole lot in common. Holy fuck, that's draining, right? Relationship, your spouse, your partner, if you're dating, whatever, that's a social time. Like for me, I'll be honest, you guys, people go, how come you're still single? And I was like, because I don't even want it right now. Like that's, I'm exhausted at the end of the day. Funny story, a side note, very personal, but I, you know, I was on Tinder for a while. I was like, oh, I think I'll go back to dating. And Tinder is not just for hookups. <laughs> A lot of people are getting married off of Tinder and I literally like found, I found the guy that like checks all my boxes and it was awesome. I was, you know, he actually like asked, you know, I was, we were talking about hunting and going really remote and he's like, Hey, do you want to, you want to go to Alaska for a hunt? And I was like, Oh my God, this is like a dream date for me. (laughs) And, um, And he checked all the boxes. And then I just realized I was, I called him up. I was laughing. I was like, dude, you're not even going to believe this, but I can't, I can't do this right now. Like I have a teenager. I just, the, the drain that it takes to start a relationship. And of course that's new. Then you, you know, you, if you've been married five or 10 years, that's a different drain. Right. But it's just a drain that I can't have right now. There's too much happening. And like, I am at this really delicate energy balance, you know, podcast, keeping up on social media. All my speaking engagements, clients, everything, you know, trying to keep all the balls in the air. And I'm at this really great place where you know Pascal's getting really high quality energy for me homeschooling high school is a different kind of energy he's got 3 jobs this summer that's a different kind of energy so just knowing where i can put my energy for me like figuring out god i have to work in the morning that's when i have all the energy for work and i just don't have it i don't have it after 3 i can't do it and so it's it's not even about rest like that you have to slow down everything even though i highly recommend that it's about figuring out your energy sources and where where to put your best work. Do you know what I mean? Like if you know coming home from work at four o'clock, you pick your kid up from preschool, it's a clusterfuck, you blow your gasket every time, maybe that screen time. Maybe that's a really good use of screen time to get everybody all chilled out at home. Then you can reconnect after, you know, in a half hour or an hour or whatever that looks like for you. So I just wanted to put that out there because I see parents, I, I see everybody really compartmentalizing their lives. And then what happens is they're not, again, taking that cumulative effect and knowing, all right, I need to fill my own battery this way. And if you read, oh, crap, I have a toddler, I talked about, you know, certain, or uh, maybe it was oh, so crap, I forget. <laughs> you know, I've I've worked with families who like uh, typical or, you know, old old school Family roles where the mom stays home. The dad goes out. The dad's getting home late. Now the dad did just work all day. The mom worked all day. So the mom wants the dad to take the kid, but the dad like needs a few minutes. And there are ways to fix that. Right. And the dad literally just wanted to play video games for like 15 minutes to sort of recalibrate. You know, one couple I worked with, it was amazing. They got the dad started teaching the kid how to play video games 15 minutes together and. They got some super great time together. Dad got to settle. Mom got a break from the kid. And so it was this really cool thing. So just recognize, like, oh shit, if I'm if I'm coming home from work, I it's not that easy for me to just transition to parenting. What can I do in between that? Maybe that is that story time that I just talked about a few minutes ago. Like, all right, you guys, let's just sit and all read for 15 minutes so mommy can get her head on straight. But there's ways to be. I think it's not just rest in the typical, like, stop moving your body, but think of what's restorative to you. And I had gone through this. I I mentioned it, I think way early in the podcast um, seasons, but it took me a really long time to figure out that I was being resentful because I wasn't getting enough fiction reading in because I was always reading at night and I was falling asleep. And I was like, wait a minute. Oh my God. All it takes is like 10 or 15 minutes of me just saying, I'm sitting down with the book for no other reason than I want to read this book. And I am completely restored. It's like I took a three hour nap. I also take 20 minute power naps, completely restorative for me. So anyway, that's, that's what I wanted to say. Cause we got into this real nice rhythm of slowing down. And then as soon as we could open things back up again, it was like, yeah, let's go. And it's just taxing. It's taxing on all of us. I don't think, especially with social media, where we're friends with hundreds of people, I just don't think we're meant to be as social as we think we are. And again, it goes, it cycles right back to Julie's question about scram. If we are constantly going, 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 and if we are constantly providing stimulation for our kids and activities for our kids, they'll never know how to be bored. I've mentioned it before with one of my um, son's friends. He, his mom is like, she could be a cruise director, like everything. And it looks from the outside. It looks like they have super fun. You know, the kids do this, 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 this. They are busy, kept busy till the minute they put their head down on the pillow. But he comes to my house and he's like, well, what should I do? And I'm like, dude, I got six acres of woods. Go you you and Pascal go find something to do. And he's like, yeah, but like what? And then what? He'll literally like, what do I do after I play in the woods? I'm like, holy shit, I don't know, go figure it out. So you don't want that. You don't want that in a a teenager. (laughs) All right, you guys, I'm going to log off. As always, I appreciate your patronage. I appreciate your feedback. And I really appreciate your questions. And I love having the ongoing dialogue with you guys. Rock on. All right, I'm going to sign off for today. You can always go to jamieglowacki.com for the super cool latest updates, including the launch of my new book, yummy new book presale treats, when we release new episodes, and how to work with me directly. And of course, if you need any potty training help, there's a handy link there that will take you to all my potty training resources, including all my courses. That's the Oh Crap Potty Training online course, my pooping solutions course, and my night training supplement. And if you need additional help, how to book with a certified O-Craft consultant. That's all at jamieglowacki.com. Have a beautiful day and rock on.